Speaking of cows, we are talking about milk. And, you know, if, if you're just joining us, then you, you probably need some background. We've talked quite a bit so far as you're joining us in week seven now of Got Milk. And so you can find messages on YouTube. You can find them at our podcast all over the place just so you can stay connected. But by the way, a very, very brief introduction. What we've discussed so far may be some of the most important things in the entire New Testament, and especially out of the mouth of Yeshua, the gospel and the kingdom. And we talked about how interrelated those are, and we talked about the full gospel, thank you. We talked about what the significance and centrality of the kingdom is, and how misunderstood the kingdom is, and how the kingdom has gotten lost over 1,900 years of sort of... I don't know, wanting it to get lost maybe, I'm not sure. But then last week we began a look at the first elementary principle, repentance from dead works, right? And what we suggested or I think showed quite maybe forcefully was that repentance from dead works does not mean stop doing things to try to make God happy. It means stop sinning. Repentance from dead works means stop doing things that make you dead. That's what dead works are. Paul called it the law of sin and death. It started in Genesis when Adam chose to not listen, and because of him, death entered the world. And when we sin, when we don't listen, we commit dead works, works that make us dead. And that brought us to today, which is repentance, Repentance, true repentance. This is a absolutely fundamental concept in the Gospels, out of the mouth of Messiah. In the elementary principles in Hebrews 6, it says the most important thing we need to do when we talk about milk You know, that has a very negative connotation, but here's the context and why this series is called Got Milk, and I've already walked away from the podium. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. What's he saying? It's what we've been saying, that the elementary principles of God, which are these leaving the elementary teachings about Messiah. Let's do that, can we? Let's leave them and let us press on again to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. That's number one. We, I uncovered a problem this week in this entire series. We are being disobedient by doing this. Paul says, let's not do this. Let's not lay again a foundation. You should already know these things. And so to Paul, Apostle Paul, forgive me, Paul. These foundations must be reexamined because they have been presented incorrectly up to this point. That's what we're doing. We are not leaving behind the elementary principles. We're actually digging into them further. Because here's the deal, my goodness, if we should know these things, if these should be like milk to us, and furthermore, if we should be teachers capable of teaching what these things mean to people who want to come to faith in Messiah, 
What is the danger if we don't? Well, the danger is that the gospel message and the kingdom and the centrality of what all of that means gets lost completely, and that's to a degree what has happened so far. That's the recap of why we're doing this. But what we're really doing in the nicest way is trying to change people's minds. Now, the only way you ever convince anyone of anything or change anyone's mind about anything is one way. That is to have them believe that they came up with it on their own. That is the truth of influence. So what we're doing is presenting some facts and reinterpretations, reexaminations that hopefully may cause the world to change their mind. And Hebrews 6 tells us, This we will do if God permits. So speaking of changing your mind, I have a question for you. What does, by show of hands, and this is our our post-Christmas crowd here, so uh, by show of the thousands of hands that are before me, I (laughs) I want to take a vote on something. Repentance, I have two definitions for you. Raise your hand for your preferred choice. Repentance means to turn from sin and return to God, don't raise yet. Repentance means, one, to turn from sin and return to God, or two, repentance means to change your mind. To turn from sin and return to God, to change your mind. All in favor of option one, raise your hand. Option two. Good. So it turns out that everyone can be right. This is not a trick question because the right answer actually came from the crazy guy in the talit right here who raised his hand for both options because this is a Jewish sermon. It has to be yes and no, one and two, and this. You're all right, thank God. I didn't trick you this time. There was no sarcasm. But can we dig just a moment deeper into that? The Greek word commonly translated repentance, metanoia, literally means to change your mind. The Greek word metanoeo is this verb, change your mind. And both words, they're derived from a similar Greek word for the word mind. Okay, I don't speak Greek, I'm not a Greek scholar, so that's the extent of the Greek you get from me today. Now, I read this blog that was defining it that way, right? And that is, that is continue. That is correct, but he continues. He continues with this conclusion about repentance. Repentance is to change your mind, nothing more, nothing less. And immediately, he's 100% wrong. That statement is true. If the only Bible you read is written in Greek, that statement is true if the only thing that you give to someone when they get saved and you tell them, I want to give you a copy of the Bible, if the only thing you give them is the New Testament, that's true. There's a problem. There's a whole other big chunk. There's a very big chunk of the Bible that was written in another language, Hebrew, and a little Aramaic thrown in. 
And it makes up a very big background of the New Testament, right? And so if, if, we're gonna, if we're only going to read and draw our conclusions from what the Greek says and overlook the absolute importance of what the Hebrew tells us the word repentance means, guess what? You're going to miss something. And our blog writer has missed something very significant. Repentance in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, if we can use that sort of improper word. Shuv. We talked about this last week some. Shuv. The twelfth most used verb in the entire text of the Old Testament. It has a variety of meanings, not all of which mean turn from God and or turn from sin and return to God, but it is a very prevalent usage. It definitely does not just mean to change your mind. It definitely does mean definition 1 which so many voted for to turn from sin and return to God. Now, I want to let you in on a secret. Yeshua was speaking from a Jewish perspective. Yeshua was speaking probably in Hebrew and Aramaic. And when Yeshua spoke about repentance, it was much broader than change your mind. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because without the expanded definition, something's missing. Okay? This is really, really, really important. We must say, as Paul voted, that repentance begins with a decision. Repentance does begin with a decision to change your mind. Metanoeo. Change your mind. Resolve to stop sinning. Accept the teaching and instruction of the righteous Messiah God. But as I have said so many, so many, so many times before, what is the point of a decision if it is not followed by action? I can decide all day what I want to be. If I don't make a turn, if I don't do something, it doesn't mean anything. And I think Isaiah 55 speaks to this very clearly, biblically speaking. Let the wicked abandon his way and the unrighteous person his thoughts. What is that? Change your mind. Change your mind, but the verse isn't over, is it? And return to the Lord. Repent. Come back. Turn around from the way you were headed. Change your mind. Don't go that way. Go this way. Return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, how do we reconcile these things? And really, what's the point? Does this even matter? It's already obvious. I could end the message right now. It means change your mind and turn and go another way. But you owe more, you are owed more than a five-minute sermon, right? That decision is partially in your head, but it's also in your feet, it's in your hands, it's in your words, it's in your actions. That's the goal of repentance. Here is why this matters and why it is more than semantics, okay? <clears throat> this is Paul Ellis, who is a grace-based pastor with a blog. There's so much you can learn online. 
Your definition of repentance will reveal whether you are living under grace or works. In the Old Testament, sinners repented by bringing a sacrifice of penance and confessing their sins. Now pause. In the words of George Bush, no, it was Ronald Reagan. There you go again. That was an alt. Dave, you said I couldn't do imitations. You're right. I'll work on that one. That was a horrible imitation of a great president. However, what is that saying? There they go again with the dead works. The dead works. Trying to please God through these sacrifices and, and these other kinds of things. And he continues. But the new, in the New Testament, we bring a sacrifice of praise and we confess his name. Now, in the theological dictionary of the New Testament, repentance is now no longer obedience to a law, but to a person. So I'm combining two things. I'm combining the blog and I'm combining this very, very good uh, seminary publication, the Dictionary of New Testament Theology. Repentance is now no longer obedience to a law, but to a person. And I am, might make somebody mad when I say this. That's not true. And that's not really true according to the words of the Messiah who taught us how to live our lives. I'm going to expand it for you so that you don't have to start throwing eggs or rotten tomatoes at me. This is a fundamental shift in the message that Yeshua brought to Israel. To change your mind and, and believe in Jesus. In other words, our salvation, our relationship with God, it, it basically boils down to a decision, a mental assent to an idea, a psychological affirmation in our heads that what? Jesus is the Messiah. He took my sins. He took them away. And because I believe in him, I'm going to heaven. And here's how the blogger continues. We don't do anything to deal with our sins, for Jesus has done it all. Our part is to believe the good news and say, thank you, Jesus. Only when we receive his gift of no condemnation are we empowered to go and sin no more. Now, this is a side note, but I'm going to say it because it's important. Only when we receive his gift of no condemnation are we empowered to go and sin no more. I would like him to explain to me the large number of Jewish friends and people that I know who are Jewish who have not changed their mind to accept the good news of Messiah Yeshua and yet live humble, dedicated lives to God with daily repentance, serving others, living out the very story that Yeshua called us to live but they haven't made the mental assent to believe in Messiah Yeshua. That's a conflict to say only when we receive his gift of no condemnation are we empowered to go and sin no more because I also equally know as many of my Christian friends and Messianic friends who sin a lot. And guess what? I'm one of them. I still sin. 
But I'm sorry, that may have gotten us off track. But I want to come back to what I was saying about a mental ascent. Here's the, here's the interpretation of, of what Paul Ellis is saying and others who teach it. Repentance is to change your mind, nothing more, nothing less. Make a decision, change your mind. And, and by the way, stop pursuing those dead works. Stop, stop trying to do things to make God happy. Or, or better phrase, and this is the literal meaning, stop trying to earn your salvation by doing things. Listen to me. No Jews that I know are trying to earn their salvation by living out the instruction of God. Not one. Not one. A mental ascent. Is there more? Must be more. Must be more. Because if I make the mental ascent, but if I don't change my direction, if I don't become different, if I don't walk differently, if I don't look differently, I'm very confused here. Me, me, the rabbi, the guy who's supposed to be teaching, if all this is true, I'm very confused. Because what about the Sermon on the Mount stuff? What about like all the things that he said we should do? And, and what about all the parables about the kingdom and some people not getting into the kingdom? And, and, and if, you know, if when I see Yeshua calling me to make a decision, do you know what his decision looks like? It's not always very uh, happy. He tells me things like, count the cost, pick up your cross, deny yourself. Those are sort of hard things to do. But it's a decision you have to make if you're going to be a follower of Yeshua. So if anything, I would say before you make any decisions, Yeshua asks us to make those decisions. Do you know what you're getting into? And we're going to talk about that because the elementary principles lay out a blueprint for why and what that looks like. But as I belabor this point, I'm sorry, there has to be more. So let me ask you. Have you made a decision for Christ? Yes, I have. Okay, sounds good. What's your life look like? What, what's different? What do you look like? Oh, not, I'm me. Have you, have you had a radical turn? Like, are you, are you living different? Are you pursuing righteous? Wait a minute now. You're telling me there's things I have to do? I was told that this is one of those things where if I make this decision, then this works this way and it's all good. I have to do something? I have to put a decision into action? That is a little much. Yes, you do. Repentance from dead works means to make a decision to follow Yeshua and not sin and then to turn and pursue righteousness. Works-based salvation. Works-based salvation. No, No, let's get away from some of those dogmatic terminologies. Works-based salvation. That's not what I'm talking about at all. When we change our mind about the course that we're on, when we we turn, make a decision, I'm no longer pursuing dead works, I'm no longer sinning, I'm going to turn and I'm going to return to Yeshua. What are we going to? What are we walking to? Are 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 we walking back to Jesus 
Well, we're actually sort of, if you literally think about this, we're walking through Jesus. That's what he said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the door. He said, talked about the narrow gate. As we make this turn, Yeshua is there with open arms, just like a doorway. Hey, wait, he did something like this, which sort of looks like a doorway. And he's waiting there for us to walk right through in that path and be empowered to go and sin no more and then actually do the deal. Do the deal. He encouraged us to continue doing the deal. And sadly, so much of Faith, discipleship, and Messiah Yeshua is, have you made the decision? Where was Yeshua leading us? When we walk through the door, the way, the truth, and the life, where is he leading us? He's leading us back to the Torah, my friends. And why is that? Because it is the perfect law of liberty, according to John. It is the kingdom constitution. It is the marriage document between God and his people. It's John the Baptist's plea in his first presentation of the gospel in Matthew 3. Do you know what John says to the Pharisees who are coming to find out more about what's going on? He says, bear fruit. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Metanaeo. Change your mind, you dirty old Pharisees. Come into Yeshua, confess repentance, and then bear fruit consistent with that decision. And what will that look like? Well, what else could it look like other than the very things his father told him to teach us and to live out? Do you see a picture of full repentance developing here? And someone might be thinking, well, gosh, it sounds like legalism to me. Again, I want to get away from these terms that, that confuse living out God's instruction is not legalism. And I want to take you to this very interesting parable. This is in Matthew 22, but I'm going to pick it up sort of. It's, it's the father wants to throw a banquet, right, for the son, and he sends, he sends them out to gather everyone in. But, but a lot of people just say, ah, I'm going back to work. I'm not doing this. And so he says, no, but, but okay, send them out again to the good and to the bad, he says. And here's where we pick up in verse 11. This guy gets in, right? Guy comes in. when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, tie his hands and his feet 
and throw him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place. And then this big one that's pretty hard to read. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now let's pause and look at this parable for one second. There's a traditional understanding of this parable. The wedding clothes. Can, so is anyone willing to tell me, suggest what the wedding clothes represent in any interpretations of this parable that you've heard before? He did not have on the wedding clothes, and so he was thrown out into the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is it? Righteousness. Okay, salvation. Good. There's a, there's a relatively prominent idea that he was missing Yeshua because he was not clothed in Christ. And we read a lot about garments and robes and all kinds of stuff, right? But let's ask this one quick question. First of all, it's a parable. But secondly, did, did, did the ones that God sent out to gather them, did they miss that? Did they, did they make a mistake and just he snuck in before anyone could actually see that he wasn't a, a believer in Messiah Yeshua? He was in there with everyone, the good and the bad. The wedding clothes represent something else. Something else, because everyone in there was that. Everyone in there was representing, it was their faith that got them in the door. So what are the wedding clothes? Well, there's a good word that was thrown about here. We can move to Revelation 19 to get some, prep, some, some background. Let's rejoice and be glad, give the glory to him, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has prepared herself. What is happening here? What is this? This is the messianic banquet, which is everywhere. Everywhere in the prophets, all in the New Testament, everywhere. This is the messianic banquet. And here's verse 8. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Ooh. Let me tell you what that is. I told you, it's all Greek to me, but the word is something like dikaioma. Dikaioma. Righteous deeds. What has been established and ordained by law, an ordinance universally of an appointment of God having the force of law. Listen to me real carefully on this. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Dikaioma, right? Romans, plural, used of the divine precepts of the Mosaic law. Second definition, also of the moral precepts of the same law. Precepts concerning the public worship of God. Laws respecting bodily purity. Do you see what I'm saying here? This is very interesting. This is the wedding feast of the Lamb. And the righteous robes were the righteous deeds of the saints who were in attendance there. Okay, great. I'm thoroughly confused, Damien. Okay, pause. He got in. He had faith in Messiah. He was in the midst of the party. And the king came up to him and said, Hey, where are your righteous deeds? Okay. 
You made a decision. You made a decision to follow Messiah. But you have borne zero fruit consistent with repentance. Which takes us to another gut-wrenchingly difficult verse to read in Matthew 7 that comes just before this. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Here we go with that doggone kingdom thing again and who's going in and who's not. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, listen to these words. This is the mouth of Yeshua. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness is unrighteous deeds. Lawlessness is sin. Lawlessness is directions that take you away from God and away from Torah and not toward Torah. And my goodness, I know how dangerous this territory is because what it might look like I'm saying is that we earn our way to salvation by the things that we do. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is what John said and what Yeshua says repeatedly. If you made a decision, bear fruit consistent with that decision. And what does this have to do with anything? Because I already, we already, I mean, this is obvious. If dead works, which we talked about last week, are supposed to be Torah and following God's instruction, then we have a massive problem on our hands because it looks like people who are obedient to doing those things are entering the kingdom of heaven. And like, it's good. Repentance is more than a decision. This is not works-based salvation. There is one and only way that we receive salvation. And I want to make this very, very clear. The Pharisees had repentance, and all kinds of people have repentance, and all, all you know, sects of Judaism have it, and, and there's a big old fat difference The repentance that Yeshua and the apostles taught was like no other repentance that had ever been before or will ever be again. It was repentance for the forgiveness of sins in the name of Messiah Yeshua. Do not let me confuse you into thinking that I think there are multiple ways of salvation or that Yeshua's message was not anything unique or anything like that. This repentance was special, and with that special repentance also came a call to a very, very specific bearing fruit consistent with that repentance. That is the kingdom living that Yeshua called us to. Does that make sense? I thought it did. But when you make this decision, 
then you have an identity shift that leads to action. You look different. You just look different. You have some robes. Did you earn those robes? Of course not. Yeshua made it possible the Holy Spirit guides you in all understanding. You don't do it all on your own, but you certainly have a part to play. And that dastardly line that I read you last week where it said, you have absolutely nothing God wants, that someone publicly wrote that and calls themselves a teacher of the word is unbelievable. These things that we're reading suggest that God really does want us to live a pure and righteous life. Now, what in the world? What's the importance, the ongoing relevance of this elementary principle as I take us out of here? Because you could easily say, okay, Rabbi, we did this. We made a decision. We actually turned. We live for God now. We have faith. And as James said, we have works. We're doing some good things. So what do you want me to do with this? That's done. Well, here's the simple answer for once. I'm not going to confuse anything. It's going to be very easy. You ready? This is an elementary principle of the disciples of Messiah Yeshua, because as Judaism taught, but certainly we live out as disciples, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to need to repent again. It may be repenting right now because you're saying, I wish he would end this message. No, I'm kidding. But, but, but by the end of the day, there's a chance that we may have had a failure or fall that's led us away from God. And the elementary principle for disciples of Messiah Yeshua is that we have a unique ability to repent in him. And for the forgiveness of sins that gives us access to this kingdom of heaven that awaits us. It's the only way. But you're going to need it again. So the decision I made in 1992 when I became a believer in Messiah Yeshua, that was a good decision. If I had stopped there, I don't think I would be here because I'm still having to make those decisions. And here's a wonderful little little thing I want to read you about Rabbi, Rabbi Levi Yitzhak from, from Berdichev about repentance. The famous Rabbi Levi Yitzhak, he used to repent every night before saying his evening prayers. Every evening the rabbi examined his heart, what he had done on the day, and repented over every flaw he discovered. For each sin that he discovered, he said, Levi Yitzhak will not do that again. Then he chided himself. Levi Yitzhak said exactly the same thing yesterday. And he added, Ah, but yesterday, Levi Yitzhak did not speak the truth. Today, he does speak the truth. <laughs> Every single day is a gift of repentance Making a decision. And you know what? Someone in here needs that decision. Someone on live stream needs that decision. It's not a decision I made in 1967. It's ongoing. It's continued decision-making and turning. That's what full repentance is. True repentance. That's what Jesus meant when he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, make the decision. 
for the kingdom is at hand. Begin to live proleptically. Begin to live now within God's instruction and as if the kingdom will be realized any moment. Live now that way. And I will say to you, not I never knew you, but well done, good and faithful servant. Judaism and repentance is everywhere. Repentance is, was, according to Midrash, repentance was one of the seven or eight things created before the foundations of the earth. Repentance before, another great dictum says, the wound, the cure before the wound. Repentance is a cure before the wound. Hashem creates the fix before the problem. Even before the earth was created, he knew that we would need it. And so he created repentance. This is Jewish thoughts. And in the perfect words of 1 John, well, he says, my children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. This is to make my point about the fact that you just might need repentance again. And thank God, it's an elementary principle that you should Always have it first, like Rabbi Levi. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, it's an interesting thing. I don't want you to, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Messiah Yeshua the righteous. And he continues with this. By this we know that we've come to know him. If we keep his commandments... The one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. That is powerful business right there. Because everyone wants to whittle down Yeshua's comments and to love one another, but that's not it. And it says if we don't walk like him, we're, we're demonstrating that we don't love him. But I made a decision to follow him. We'll then follow him and start walking that way. And this is not an easy sell, I'm going to tell you this. Change your mind is a lot easier than change your ways. Be a consistent repenter is a lot easier, is a lot more difficult than I made a decision in 1981. Change your mind. Change your ways. Walk in the same manner he walked. Well, Rabbi, that's the same thing we learn in church. Okay, fair enough, as my friend Paul would say. Change your ways to what, though? Change your ways to what? Love people? Well, yeah, definitely. Jesus said that I'd do it. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Well, darn right I do that. That's in the Ten Commandments. Jesus said that too. Honor the Sabbath? Well, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, it's in the Bible. Well, it's actually in the Ten Commandments. It is? Well, okay, but that's got, you're kind of getting, you're running close to legalism there. How about eating biblically the way that God instructed his people? You lost your mind now. Sausage, biscuits, and bacon. Jesus died so I could eat them. (laughs) 
celebrate the festivals of God? You're crazy. Get this boy admitted. He shouldn't be up here teaching the Word of God. These are God's festivals. <laughs> These are opportunities to walk, I'm telling you, in the way that Yeshua walked. Are they necessary for salvation? There's only one necessary thing which we'll talk about next time. But these are the ways that we change our mind and change our ways. For me as a Jew, I had to make a pretty big mind change. You know what? I really did. I had to change my mind about everything I had been told for 19 years about Jesus. And then I had to turn and start walking in the way that he walked as my Jewish Messiah. And that wasn't easy. But I did it, and now I get to teach about it. Walking in the way that he walked. And guess what? If you are a, from a Gentile background, if you are from the nations, you have made a similar type of repentance decision. It's not from sin. It's, that's, that's not exactly what I mean. But you also made a turn. You made a turn from an incorrect definition of Torah and walking in God's ways and, and, and the Old Testament and living biblically and repentance from dead works. You turned and you embraced and you began to walk in these things. And how many in here who have begun to celebrate Shabbat have felt the heavy weight and burden of the curse of God upon you? How many who celebrated Passover have felt God's disdain for you celebrating his darn festivals? You don't because you're walking in the way that Yeshua walked, which is the full definition, the true repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind. Follow me. Literally, follow after me and walk in the way in which he walked. So that, my friends, is repentance from dead works. Got it? Now you got that milk. So we're one-sixth of the way to you being a teacher and telling the whole world. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.